Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Well, hello, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me in what is shaping up to be a jam packed, full of information uh, topic today around the voice to parliament. Just before we get started on that, though, um, I know many of you have continued to ask how you can support this podcast, and you can do so by joining the Buy Me A Coffee platform, where you can either do a one-off support or you can become a monthly member. And the link for that is in wherever you're listening to your podcast, but it's also on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. So thank you to all of those who have already become members. I think we're up to about 50 now. Just incredible. I appreciate your support very, very much. Now today, guys, I want to unpack the voice as best I can because what do you, I mean, let me ask you this. What do you know? What do you know when I say to you, what can you tell me about the voice to parliament? And I've asked a few people because I've been thinking about this for weeks and weeks. And Last week, we talked about Welcome to Country, which, by the way, we just got an overwhelming number of messages about that where people really did agree. Um, And I did read the temperature correctly, which I was glad about that, that uh, majority of you were like, we are so willing to do this if it's genuine and it's in relationship with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, but you are in general getting the feeling that it's just become more about token and self-protection to tick the box. And we don't like that. I think Australians like being pretty real deal. So I thought I'd extend a little bit today by talking about the voice to parliament because everyone that I asked was like, I don't, I literally have no idea what it is. Um, And not only that, when I ask people, well, do you know anything about the vote? They're like, no idea. Can't even tell you when it is. And so I've really started unpacking information. I have labored over this episode. I've taken notes, scrubbed out the notes, redone notes. And so I really hope I can do it a little bit of justice today. Uh, My aim yet again is not to tell you what you should vote when it comes to the referendum day, but maybe just to give you a little bit more information to help you to think. And and, and also I want to unpack why this is becoming, uh, yet again, another thing that's dividing Australians and it's becoming a bit of a contentious issue. But let's start with a bit of detail around what is it? What's the purpose of it? You know, where did it come from? I mean, whose idea was this? What What is the voice? You know, is it really one person's voice? Is it a group of people? What, what's going on? What are you and I being asked to do? And I will touch on the yes side and the no side. And I'll try and be objective. Uh, objective? Yes. So that you can have information on both sides. Now, I think at the moment, there's this feeling in our country that, you know, once upon a time, we could have a differing view on something and yet still have each other's back. But it just doesn't feel like that anymore. It feels like, well, if you're on that side of the issue and I'm on this side of the issue, then it's dividing people just beyond what I've seen things divide people on before. And I'm not just talking about the voice here. I think the COVID stuff has done it. I think all of the gender ideology is doing it. 
And um, it's really kind of a sad time in our country. And I know that I'm not alone when I say that I'm really sick and tired of Australians being pitted against one another. You know, I've grown up singing that beautiful song um, that we are Australian and the pride that we've always had in our country. And it's really sad. And so I want to unpack just from a whole heap of angles today. But I think that what's happening is in many instances, it's actually the leadership of our country that are starting to ask us to go against the moral fabric that our society was built on. So let me let me give you an example. So last week on my Instagram, up came these constant little videos of this drag story time happening in Parliament. And I'm like, what's this? Well, of course, it turned out to be the Victorian Parliament where Dan Andrews had invited in some uh, drag queens to come and conduct a story time. And then, by the way, also invited children who were present. Now, when I see that, I get just beyond like what is going on in our country? Because when I see one of our leadership in our government who is demanding that we celebrate something that really goes against the moral fabric of who we are, all in the name of inclusivity, I know that that divides us because most Australians find it reprehensible. Not the fact that there were drag queens there, but the fact that they were telling stories to children and we're including children in this. So in plain sight, there's a leader in our nation demanding that we abandon our moral code and then shaming us for not being happy about it. And all in the name of so-called inclusivity, which is really manipulative. So my point here is that Australia really is at war within ourselves toward one another. And we all know that saying, united we stand and divided we fall. And I don't think I've ever seen a time in our nation, in, in our history, where we're becoming more divided than united. And it really makes me sad and it worries me for the future of Australia. So knowing that that's where the leadership in our country is going right now, um, I want to make a couple of points. But before I do, let's just look at some of the basics and let me give you a brief explanation of what the voice is. So you might have heard it as the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice or the Indigenous voice to parliament or the Indigenous voice to government. Uh, but what it is, regardless of what you've heard it called, it is a, um, a lot of people, by the way, think it's one person. I know I did. I thought, oh, if it's the voice, it must be one elected person. Now I'll explain that a little bit further into the episode, but it's actually not one person. It's a group of people, but this group, uh, being introduced and recognized in the constitution means that it will be a permanent change. And the government that comes into power after this government cannot just overrule or overrun this. So this is really serious. We need to know what it is that we're voting for because this is going to change the very foundation of how we govern this country. So it's a proposed Australian federal advisory body. That's what the voice is. It's a Australian federal advisory body 
and they are going to represent the views of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait, Torres Strait Islander people with the, towards the government. So they're going to advise Parliament on matters that relate to them, whether that's social or spiritual or economic. So that's going to give them a say in government policy that affects them. And what we're being asked to do is to participate in a referendum. Now, many people don't even know the details of this referendum, but it's going to happen between October and December of this year. Now, why a referendum? Well, any time that the government wants to change something in our constitution, they can't just go and do that. They have to have the majority vote of the Australian public in order to be able to do that. So they need more than 50% to say yes to that change. Now we're being asked if we would or would not like the voice to parliament to go ahead and be formalized in our constitution. Now, some of you are probably wondering, what is the constitution? Well, basically that's the founding document that was written back in January of 1901 that sets out how Australia is to be governed. And that can't just be changed unless it's via a referendum. Now, it is going to cost, get this, get this guys, this referendum on The Voice is going to cost you and me, the taxpayer, $364 million. I know, I'm just like, man, that is a lot of money. Now, the Albanese government are on an absolute full-blown campaign to get every Australian to vote yes. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Now, there's no doubt about it. This is dividing not just most Australians in our country. This is also dividing Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island community as well. I have got people that I love and greatly respect in the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island community who are on both sides of this debate. So let's have a look at a couple of reasons on why perhaps this is dividing Australia. Most people really don't understand what this is. And I think that lack of understanding is one of the reasons why there is a distrust growing around this voice campaign. And what that means, if we don't understand, then you and I are at risk in October or November or December or whenever we go in to make our vote, we're at risk of making an uninformed decision because we don't really understand what it is that we're making a decision about. And we're probably more susceptible to vote yes because the yes campaign is the one being put front and center. The other thing that I think a lot of us find concerning is that the subliminal message coming through is that yes is the only right answer, that you're a good person if you vote yes, and alternatively, you're kind of shamed and made to feel like you're a little bit racist if you vote no. Now, I find that really unfair because neither is true. Now, you should be able to vote in either direction, yes or no, and that is your right as a free person, as a part of the democracy here of this country. But one of the problems is we are voting on something that we don't understand, that we're being made subliminally to feel like there's only one correct way to vote. And then to top it all off, the current government are purposely not giving enough detail on what the voice will look like. They have said time and time again, and you can go and look this up in 
Google right now if you want to, because they've reported on it in the news a number of times. But the government are saying, hey, you just vote yes. And when the yes vote gets through, then we're going to give you the detail and we'll work out what this voice is going to look like. So in effect, they're withholding detail, but yet telling us simultaneously that the only way to vote is with a big resounding yes. Now, when I first started writing this episode, I was just going to give you all the arguments for the yes campaign and then all the arguments for the no campaign to help better inform you and I when it comes to the referendum. And I will do that a little bit later in the episode. But I began to realize as I was thinking about it and taking notes and researching that that was not really the real issue here that the argument between yes and no is not really what's going on here. And the reason is most Australians, we're a compassionate lot really. And at the heart of hearts, I know that most of us are so happy to recognize our First Nations people in the constitution. We are happy for everyone to be given a fair go, no matter who we are. And I don't know any Australian who would not be happy for any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander to have a say in government policies that directly affect them. I mean, you and I don't want decisions being made about us without input from us. None of us would like that. So I think, you know, every Australian or most Australians would happily say a big resounding yes to that. So why is there hesitation? Why is there concern? Why are the Albanese government feeling it necessary to spend millions on uh, coercing everybody to say yes. And I think it's because they actually know what is at the heart of all this. And that is that I think we have, we right now don't have a full trust in the leadership of this country. We don't trust the government. And I think a lot of us are getting the feeling that the voice is about more than just this simple yes to give Australia, uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders more say over their own lives. Because if that was the case, then I think we'd all happily say yes in a heartbeat. So it's not that that we're not trusting. It's not the voice that we're not trusting. It's actually the parliament part that we're not trusting. It's the government. And I can see why, because when you look back, the track record over the past few years is not exactly glowing. I mean, I think about how one moment we're all saying yes to the same-sex marriage referendum because, like I said, Australians are compassionate. We're pretty much like, we'll mind our own business. You do you, I'll do me. But And and I'm certainly not blaming um, the people who who went ahead and, you know, are are on the side of the yes of the same-sex marriage debate. But what it did do, when we just happily went along with that, the some of the activists, not all, some of the activists didn't want to stop there. And we were warned about that. I saw a lot of the conservative people saying, it's not going to stop there. They're going to go for this, but then they're going to go for more. And, uh, and we can all see what's happening, where they're teaching a gender ideology to our smallest of children. They're forcing now Pride Day, Pride Week, Pride Month, Ida Hobbit Day, the Mardi Gras, you know, drag 
show story times on all of us. So it's not enough anymore just to let people be. We have to now not just permit this, but celebrate and participate. Now, when we think about what just went on a month or so ago, where our prime minister not only marched in front of the rainbow labor flow in the Mardi Gras, he was participating and then telling us that we have to happily do the same. And while our prime minister marched at this sexually explicit, what should have been adult only event, he was amongst children and he thought that was wonderful. Now, most Australians think that's disgraceful. And so you can see it's all these little little things where our, our trust has started to be eroded more and more. I mean, I, for one, don't trust a prime minister who thinks that that is okay. And let's fast forward a little bit to the division that the government encouraged over COVID. Now, that might have been the Liberal government that was in at the time, but I think that COVID eroded our trust in all forms of leadership, not to mention the fact that it was actually mostly the Labor premiers who did most of the dirty work. When you think about the way that they treated us, forcing masks, vaccinations, lockdowns, because they had to so-called follow the science only for everyone to realize a year or two later that the science had changed. And yet we were shamed at the time if we didn't participate. Um, But the damage has been done. You know, our own government, isolating people, fining people, jailing people, ignoring ignoring vaccine injured people encouraging us to top on our neighbours, telling the vaccinated not to share the Christmas table with the unvaccinated, sacking people, taking their livelihoods, locking people out of their states. And I could go on and on. And I know that, you know, we might have moved on, physically we've moved on, but I know that that has left a mark on all of us. And so it's not that you know, we don't want Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people to govern their own lives and do what's best for them and their communities. I think it's that we don't trust the government to control it because we're wondering, well, what's the real agenda here? And when we look back, nothing that they've asked us to do has brought peace and unity. Nothing. You name something for me that's brought peace and unity. It's actually done the opposite. Another example I could go by is what's happening with Australia Day that is leaving yet another very bad taste in the mouths of Australians. Now, in 2018, Albanese himself said that it would be more meaningful to change the meaning instead of the date of Australia Day. Well, that's not really working out very well for us. So while he's kept the date, we can all see what has been happening the last few years, how now we cannot be thankful for our country. We're not allowed to celebrate Australia Day. Instead, we have to participate in demonizing this country that once upon a time we were allowed to love. We have to call it Invasion Day and call ourselves colonizers, which really is making us all feel pretty crappy about everything, including ourselves. So if that's what he means by change the meaning, then I think that doesn't really, you know, put much trust in the Australian people of how he's going to go about the voice. It's doing nothing to unite us. It's only tearing us apart. I think about my local florist who literally avoided Australia Day this year because last year they did a beautiful window display in recognition 
and they got blasted all over social media for being colonisers. Now that is ridiculous and it's unfair and it is untrue. Now you add to all of this the fact that Labor won't give us more detail on the voice, then our trust really is at an all-time low. So we can come up with reasons for or reasons against, but that's not really the, uh, the, the root at hand of why we're quite hesitant around this issue. And I think most Australians feel that if the voice is going to do more of what we've been seeing, which is disunifying us, then we do not want more of that. The track record seems to point to the fact that we really won't have a choice at all in how this is going to play out. And being forced to participate in something that we're not sure about, it just seems like a common pattern of the governments over these past few years. And we really do not want more division and more disunity. And I think until we can be convinced that this is not going to bring more of that, then we are hesitant. Most Australians really do want what is best for everyone, but it just seems that the more we try to do that, the more it is backfiring and blowing up in our face. So let's just go back with a little bit more detail, like where did this come from? And I find it really interesting that um, a lot of people, or most of us actually wouldn't know where it came from, but a few years ago, six years ago, in 2017, there was a convention held at Uluru called the First Nations National Constitutional Convention. Now, about 250 Indigenous delegates met. But who, like, I really had to kind of dig a little bit deeper on this one. Who brought that convention together? Who was behind the convention? And it turns out it was an initiative of Malcolm Turnbull and Bill Shorten, both, by the way, who were very left-leaning progressive politicians. So I just thought it was interesting to note that they're the ones that put this convention together. So they already had the agenda to do this back in 2017. It's not like the Aboriginal Indigenous people were like, oh, let's, you know, this is what we want. It was it was an initiative of the government to start with. But it was a good thing that they obviously got these 250 delegates together. And between them all, they wrote a 440-word statement which is now known as the Uluru Statement from the Heart. And there are three things that they flagged in that statement that they want. One is this, the voice. The second thing they want is a treaty. And the third thing that they want is truth-telling. So I'll unpack those a little bit later. Um, But just remember those three, okay? So the voice is not the only thing that they're going to be going for here. Now, In 1967, there was another referendum and that changed the constitution to include Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people in the population count, which, hello, totally makes sense. But what that meant was, of course, that the federal government, now that they're being included in that, also had the power to make laws for them, just like they had to to do over all of us for every Australian. So what they're asking now in 2023 is for a body to be formed known as The Voice, who would provide input to the federal government on any policies or laws that are going to affect First Nations people. So it's important to note that they are advisory and they cannot overrule. Uh, There's a very loose proposal over what this will look like. So I said earlier that it's not just one person, which 
I don't know, call me dumb. <laughs> but I was like, oh, I thought it was just like a voice because it was called the voice. It's actually not. It's going to be a board or an advisory panel of people, and there will be 24 people. Now, this group of 24 needs to be made up from a representation from every state, from remote communities, as well as mainland and Torres Strait Island as well. The other thing to note, which I find really hypocritical of the government, is that there has to be a gender balance. Hang on a second. What do they mean by gender balance? Surely they can't be as discriminatory as meaning just male and female, right? Like, how many genders are there? I don't know what we're up to, guys. What are we up to? 70-something? 80-something? So if there's going to be a gender balance and the government are going to be inclusive, which they tell us that we have to be inclusive, they better have all 70-something genders represented in their 24-person board, don't you think? Anyway, the hypocrisy is not... Um, lost on me here. The other thing is uh, this board will be headed up by two full-time co-chairs and each person will serve for four-year terms, no more than twice. Now, how will this 24 people be elected? Okay, here's where it gets a little bit confusing. They're going to, apparently there's already something um, called a local or regional voice made up of 35 voices. Maybe Google this if you want more detail because I'm really glossing over this. But there are already in each region a body of 35 voices. That body of 35 for each region will elect each of the individual 24 people. Does that make sense? So each group of 35 will select each one of the 24. So it's kind of like a little bit complex. Um now, other than that, that's about the only detail that we've been given. We do know that they can't change laws. They're there to advise, uh, but that's pretty much all that we know. All right, so let's look at the yes side and then the no sides, and we'll, we'll finish off here. So obviously, the yes campaign is being headed up by the Albanese government, and they are really going all out. So they've got sporting codes and celebrities and big corporations and charities and the media. I don't know if you've noticed this, but anytime I Google anything about The Voice when it comes to the media, they're all on the side of yes. So yes is seen as favorable. No is seen as unfavorable. All right. So the Yes campaign is being rolled out. Uh, it's got its own director. It's known as Join Us. You will see it being rolled out through TV, online, on billboards, buses. I'm seeing it on social media. And basically their simple message, because remember, they don't want to give us much detail, but the simple message is that this is about constitutional recognition for First Nations people in Australia. Uh, the AFL recently have come out in support. So there's a bunch of sporting codes, a bunch of celebrities. You're going to see it all over your socials. So some of the reasons that they're saying that a yes vote is the way to go is that we are actually the only country that was settled by Britain, which does not currently have a treaty with its Indigenous people or recognition of them in our constitution. So we're kind of like last man standing. So for many Indigenous Australians, this to them feels like a denial of their existence. 
So another reason for the Yes campaign is it would improve conditions for Indigenous Australians who currently uh, die younger, earn less, are more likely to face unemployment, incarceration and death by suicide. An article in The Guardian said that a yes vote would save lives. It would mean that the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders would be part of a United Nation where they're involved in helping shape their shared destiny. What they want is a yes vote in order to have better outcomes for all. So it says in the, I think this was in The Guardian, it said it would provide an environment where laws and policies can be made about them with input from them. And I look, who wouldn't agree with that? So, for example, many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children are still being removed from their families and their communities, according to the government, of course, for their own safety. So the yes side would advocate that policies and decisions that are being made around these children should be being done with input from the experts, which are the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders themselves. They would advocate that these children would have far better outcomes if they're not removed completely from their culture and their communities. But at the moment, they're not a part of this decision-making progress process, which I think we'd all agree with that as well. I also think we can all agree that current policies that are being made by the government to supposedly help Indigenous Australians have failed miserably because they still do have poor outcomes. So the system is clearly broken and needs changing. But the no side would argue that all of the eggs are being placed in this voice basket. And their argument would be that it doesn't have to be, it's almost like the voice is like going to be the answer to all, all of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people's problems. Whereas the no side would say it's actually going to cause more issues and it's not necessarily going to result in better outcomes. So one thing that both yes and no absolutely agree on, and I think this is important for us to know, is that both sides absolutely agree that Indigenous First Nation Australians should be recognised in our constitution. It's just that the no side do not think that the voice is the way of going about this. So according to the no side of the argument, they say that we already have many Indigenous voices in Parliament, and this is true. We have an estimated 26 MPs in Australian Parliament who identify as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander. Now, at the moment, the First Nations population makes up 1.7% of our population, and the number of MPs in Parliament makes up 3.1%. So they're already overrepresented in Parliament. Another thing on the no side is that, as Peter Dutton pointed out, if they're going to advise government on only the issues pertaining to them, what does that mean exactly? Because everything will affect them just like it affects all of us from defence policy to health policies, education, law and order. Every element of public policy affects Indigenous Australians as it does every Australian. So that's another concern. It's like, well, we need more detail because it seems that in that case, they're going to be advising on absolutely everything. Another argument on the no side is that 
they've already got a voice just like we all have a voice and it's called democracy and it's called voting. So some are calling this a second voice because in effect, it's going to give them a second uh, voice in our government. Now, like I said before, this is actually one part of a three-part plan. So they are wanting a treaty, which that's how New Zealand rolls. They've got a treaty with their Indigenous people. And the other thing that they're wanting is truth-telling. So I looked that up. I'm like, what do they mean, truth-telling? Truth-telling is where we look into the past injustices and ongoing issues to help us understand the impact of colonization in order to make further necessary policy changes. So I think we would all have a lot of questions around that as well because I can't see how that, look, if truth-telling is done in such a way that it brings unity, I'm all for it. But if it's to bring shame and disunity, I think that's that's where we have to be just really careful and tread carefully in those spaces. All right, so one of the um, one of the concerns I think here is we have to go back to what makes Australia Australia. What is our value system? And of course, we all know that a huge part of the value system that Australia has been built on is the fact that we are multicultural and yet we all come together as one united nation. You know, we all know the song, um, I am, you are, we are Australian, that we come from, you know, from all the lands we come, but yet we are united. We are many, but we're one. And so one of the great concerns around this is that it's actually not going to do anything toward that reconciliation and unity, but it's going to further divide us and it's going to divide us according to race. And that is a huge concern because for the first time in history, it's going to tilt our founding document, the constitution, toward one group of Australians depending on their race. And that is not the value system that Australia has been built on. We've been built on the fact that we are many and yet we are one. And this potentially could do a lot to bring uh, division into the very, very heart of who we are as a nation. So in conclusion, I think you can see from everything I've unpacked today that both sides have got a lot of skin in the game. Both sides have good reason for and against. And like I said, I have got people I love and respect on both sides of the debate. But we really do need to take this really seriously because this is going to change the way our country is governed. And once once we decide that, yes, this is what we're going to do, without all the information that we're needing, which I think is probably the greatest concern, there's no going back. Like it's it's going to be written into the very founding document of who we are. And I don't think at the moment that we have enough details or reassurances from the government on what this is going to look like. Now, interestingly, according to the media, support for this is actually slipping. So they've been polling the Australian people from the get-go. Now, not that we can trust polls completely, um, but a survey has shown that slightly more than half of Australians are still backing it. 
Um, but the percentage has dropped from 58% to 53% and it's sliding downwards that way. So that is definitely a concern for the Albanese government. Now, John Howard, who previously was a very successful prime minister, he also has concerns. So I quote, John Howard warned that the voice has the potential for establishing a body seen as exercising coercive influence on the government. So either way, I I worry because this is going to leave a sense of separatism between Australians. Like if the ren- if the referendum fails, it's going to leave many disappointed and embittered, and if it succeeds, the same thing's going to happen, and I think especially because of the process that is going to get us there. So this is a really really difficult issue, and um, I think no matter where we sit on it, we have to really think about this really carefully and really prayerfully. And um, I've no doubt that many of you would feel the same as me, that the issue is not even about the yes or the no, because it's really kind of a no-brainer that we absolutely love and want our First Nations people to be recognized. But the concern really lies in what this is going to look like. And can we trust the leadership of our country that has not earned our trust at all over these past three, four, five years? So guys, I feel like I haven't come to a great conclusion here. But um, that's where I'm going to leave it. I know that when I did the episode last year on how to vote in the federal election, it's actually one of the most listened to episodes. And funnily enough, a number of you said to me, I brought that episode with me into the booth to help me remember exactly what it was that I was doing. So I hope I haven't confused you more. I hope I've given you a little bit more information than what you did have. Uh, I hope I was able to give it to you on both sides. Uh, And I just think do a little bit more of your own research and work out what is important to you and come back to this. What's your value system? What is it that you value? And I think we have to vote according to that. And I think we just do have to remember, and this is where I always like to start, what is our common ground? What can we agree on? And I think we definitely will... I don't think, I know that we have common ground in the fact that we all would love for First Nations people to be recognized in our constitution. I think it's just a matter of whether the voice is the best way or not to do it. So guys, make sure you go along, do a little bit more of your own research, come along on my social media, goonextdoor.podcast, and we can respectfully chat to each other there. um, And yeah. And then maybe revisit this again since we have until October. Guys, thank you for joining me today. It's been a bit of a longer one, but we had a lot to cover. Have the most wonderful week and I will see you for Friday's episode of Parenthood Friday. Until then, have a great one. Bye.